millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This episode of the Culp Option Podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, listen to up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, or give us something to discuss in our new post credit scenes at the end of each episode, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash I got the hiccups. That's a great way to start a podcast. Yeah. Um, Just in time. <laughs> um, I had the hiccups on the podcast once, and you said you thought I was faking and didn't believe me, and I was. Uh, you were faking it, and I still don't believe you. Why would I fake that? It sounded horrible. Because you were it drunk, and horrible. you thought it'd be fu- funny. I didn't think it was funny. I it was really upsetting because I hate I hate having the hiccups. And they were real. They were real hiccups. Yeah, but you kept on interrupting my story to be like, "Oh, look, look, I'm hiccuping." And I was, and it, it, it's, I still well, think that might have been a, a drunk. Like I might have been drunk enough to find it funny that I had the hiccups, but the hiccups themselves were real. Welcome along to the hiccup podcast. Hiccult popcher. I genuinely have the hiccups real bad, so. Do you have a glass of water? I have a, a bottle of water. No. Oh, maybe <laughs> down there. Hey, Jeremy, how are you? Oh, I'm real good, AJ. I'm real good. That's good. I'm glad to hear it. Do you have the hiccups? Oh, I do not. No, but look, my baby, Ivy, she gets hiccups all the time, and it's the worst. Because she'll like, will be like, oh, are you ready to go to bed? Yeah. Oh, great. You know, you can go to bed. And then you're like, just about to put her in bed, and she's like... <coughs> And you're like, oh, oh wow! Does you, a baby with hiccups need te- like to be tended to? Well, it's just she won't go to sleep if she's got hiccups. Can you go Neither to sleep while you still got hiccups? Um, I don't know. I've never tried. I've never had the hiccups while I've been trying to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I'll, um... I usually cry myself to sleep, not laugh myself to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, today we're doing uh, a little podcast, a cult popsha podcast for you. Uh, this week it's uh we uh uh that's all, folks. We just we just scat for an hour. Um, this week we're doing a podcast on um what roles actors could have played had they not died a tragic. Well, not necessarily. Um, all deaths are tragic. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, okay. Yeah. Um, a, a joyous death. <laughs> well, given, given given some of the actors, uh, shall we say, recreational activities, uh, some of them were not untimely deaths. Let's just say that. Ooh. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I think, yeah. So I do want to stress before we get into it, um, we intend this to be a tasteful uh, podcast, you know. We're not going to be making fun of 
dead actors any more than what I guess the the precedent Jeremy just set then. Um, that's, that's about. <laughs> it's all uphill about, from here. <laughs> um, and like the, we're not doing this because of a particular celebrity death, because there have been a few in the in the news this week, which is very sad. Um, so we we I I, I basically I'm, I'm basically saying. I hope and pray. Don't be mad at us, bro. That this episode will not be seen as as in poor taste. I hope it can yeah. be removed from the reality of death and just be about fan casting, which is something we've sort That's of done. Thing. Yeah, it is. It is fan casting. It's so the kind of parameters of it is we're looking at actors who uh, passed away. Usually, mostly of the most of them are untimely deaths, um, mm-hmm. and despite what Jeremy might have you believe, uh, and. <laughs> Uh, it's it's roles that came up after they passed away um, that we think they could have been perfect for. And uh, some of my ones, it's like the actor we got in the role is perfect. You know, you wouldn't wouldn't want to change a thing. But, uh, you know, we're pitching actors that could have also done that role and might have brought something different to it. It would be interesting to see what, what that could have been like. And we had we had some suggestions from from listeners as well, which we'll be going through. Um, but I, it's funny because we've done we've done similar concepts to this on the podcast before. The most the most similar would probably be um, when we we recast our least favorite actors in their most iconic role. I feel like that's mm. the the closest sister to this episode. Um, and that was relatively simple because you just thought of an actor you didn't like, then thought of someone who would fit that role. This episode has been a nightmare to try and prepare for. Because <laughs> it's 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 a cool concept. It's a very cult popturian concept of of for an episode, I think. Cult popturian candidate. It, yeah, the <laughs> It it turns out that it's it's actually a real niche idea as well because mm. it's like you have to find an actor who's died and then a role that'd be good for in a movie specifically released after their death and so like a couple of the suggestions we got and a couple of my my friends who were helping me come up with ideas were suggesting like you know an actor who died in 2014 playing a role from like the 90s and it's like well they could have played the role um, so that doesn't count and i also do want to say and i don't know what you guys have planned necessarily um but also usually we try and you know be a bit diverse with our selection of (laughs) people that we talk about um you know try to not just do men who have died uh but i'll tell you what there's Brittany murphy carrie fisher and that's those <laughs> they're, they're, yeah yeah exactly and it's it's a it's a there's i haven't i haven't cast a lot of women in these in, in this exercise and while that may seem like i'm i'm you know i got a blind spot and maybe it is um it's all you know there's a bright side to it that to, from the looks of it from my, my sample size it seems that it's a, a that not a lot of female actors or or actresses as some call them um die do pass or do they away. all just stay yeah. alive forever <laughs> well i yeah. don't know you tell me great all news actresses- women don't die <laughs> or i guess the other thing is that you get ones like marilyn monroe or natalie mm. wood who i guess we're not as familiar with unfortunately and they and yeah all these old hollywood um actresses who died of old age like there's no 
There's no like female Paul Walker or Robin Williams, you know, like or at least com- well, the, the comparative. Problem, the, the thing is, so you mentioned this earlier in the week, AJ, and um, mm. and you were like, oh, you know, there just aren't as many women who died. But the thing is that when Robin Williams died, he was what sixty three. Mm. Yeah, he was sixty three, and he was still famous. Women. Female actresses, unless they're like Meryl Streep or, you know, one of the three other older actresses you can name, when they are not young, they're not famous anymore. And that's the reason why there are fewer women who die, like while they're still in the public consciousness. We're now enacting in my favourite practice on Cobb Popcher, which is to explain how what could be perceived as our own sexism is actually a deeper sexism <laughs> of the, the, movies, the movie industry itself. It's not our problem, guys. Don't blame us for how bad other people are. <laughs> which, no, I think there is, there is, that's a, that is a really good point. Um, and it's like, it's with like the, the, the most, um, to me, like Brittany Murphy is the the poster child for tr- tragic actress death, right? She's she's the Paul but, Walker. Yeah, she's the Paul Walker. But like in the same way that when I went to see if I could think of any roles that Paul Walker could have played past after the time he died, and I was like, not really. Like <laughs> Fate of the Furious. <laughs> I don't know if Brittany Murphy like screamed for you know if, if Brittany Murphy had like a particular um, style of acting that was as um, I don't know. Interesting to see taking on other roles as someone like Robin Williams would have. Okay, um, well, just to to actually get the podcast underway, um, should we start off some of these? Um, because yes, I've actually yes. got one for Brittany Murphy. Oh um, my god! <laughs> okay. Um, so let's get our our lone female pitch out of the way. Um, no, I, I don't know what you guys have got, but um, yeah, Brittany Murphy. I think that uh, had Brittany Murphy still been around at the time uh, when the DC universe was starting up, that she would have been a perfect Harley Quinn. I do you know what I can't, That was what I thought of too, and I was like, uh, is it is it too? Is it just because she's a blonde woman? Is that why I'm thinking she'd be good in that role? But um, she does have the voice for it. She, in, um, If you've seen her in Clueless or her character Luann in King of the Hill, I've been watching a lot of King <laughs> of the Hill lately. Um, she has that kind of, she can able, she's able to pull off that kind of shrill mm. New Yorker accent that Harley Quinn is famous for. Yeah, yeah exactly. and I also think that if you look at, she's got that like really wide-eyed kind of, That's she's got thing. like an element behind her eyes where you just don't know what she's going to do next. Like in 8 Mile as the girlfriend, you kind of really believe in her because she's, you kind of go, you've got the capacity to do almost anything at any moment. And I, it, she's an exciting screen presence to watch because of that. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess I think she would definitely be in the conversation for Harley Quinn. Yeah, I mean, it would be a different Harley, I imagine, or like than what we've got with Margot Robbie. And Margot Robbie is perfect casting for Harley Quinn. I, I don't, I'm not in love with her version of the character. Um, but despite, it's, good, it's a good idea to cast her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that that uh, Brittany Murphy has that kind of like yeah wild eyed look that um, it feels like Margot Robbie is putting on, whereas mm, it comes okay. naturally to Brittany Murphy. Hmm. Hmm. Nice. Good idea. So cool. that's well, my we got first it. One. We got one. We got one in the can. <laughs> <laughs> can I ask you guys a question about your process for coming up with ideas for this episode? No. All right. Next oh. one. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know if you guys did the same thing as I did because 
ideally when we come up with a concept like this the uh, you, you know the perfect idea comes to mind usually they're mm. born out of a perfect idea for example when we recast our least favorite actors i knew before we even did that episode that i was going to recast jared leto and suicide squad as macaulay culkin like that was my my smoking gun my ace in the hole <laughs> yeah. whereas this one i didn't i didn't have one of those and so what i did is i wrote down a few iconic dead actors like ones that were big in my life and then i went back to um my letterboxed rankings since the the earliest actor i had earliest celebrity death i had and just went through all the different movies since their death on letterboxd and tried to slot them in somewhere is that what you guys did uh i what i did was i forgot about it until today and um and then just thought of a bunch of dead actors and figured i'll riff with the boys on the Mm. podcast so with you with you slotting in britney murphy as harley quinn it just reminded me of like i think i maybe perhaps a good practice for when we get to one of the iconic ones is to go you know which marvel villain would they have played? well that's the thing yeah a lot of yeah. them and because there's some that it's like yeah the role existed while they were alive but we're gonna get it again and they didn't have a chance mm. to play it um but sort of because uh, yeah you said about how often these podcasts will come from like oh a great idea let's think of another a bunch of other ones the sort of um the the idea that that sparked this one was when i was sort of thinking about how obviously two of the sort of big celebrity deaths that were super shocking in the 2010s were philip seymour hoffman and robin williams and i said that i i Mm -hmm. it feels like philip seymour hoffman we were robbed of like at least another oscar-winning performance um and dozens of like incredible perform- performances and incredible films whereas robin williams like as much as i love him i feel like we at best we would have gotten one more good dramatic role out of him and like mm. you know his his last couple of movies were a merry merry friggin christmas um which if you've seen like the dvd cover it's him and joel McHale, and it looks awful and a film called the angriest man in brooklyn where Mila Kunis is yeah. a doctor who tells him that he's gonna die because he, he was he was being rude to her. Um, There's he's also he was also starring in a um, very tedious sitcom with Sarah Michelle Gellar at the oh, time wow. of his death. Mm. Um, it, yeah, it's it is a sad sad um, thing to look at that it, it seems like Robin Williams was on a downward trajectory Mm. which i mean i I say that also and i'd like to acknowledge that like the he had amazing roles already so it's not like he missed out necessarily um but shall i read out a a suggestion from one of our listeners that is for robin williams yes go for it yep so this one comes from my vincent academia on instagram i believe he says um robin williams as the riddler uh it is a role i wanted williams to play immediately after watching one hour photo have you guys seen one hour photo. Uh, I've seen like half of it, I think, on TV. Very, very disturbing Robin Williams role. Um, he's, he goes on to say, I believe he would have been the right choice for the Riddler following over from the from the over-the-top Jim Carrey version because general audiences would expect a performance just as big and, and loud as Batman Forever Riddler. Uh, Williams could showcase the obsession side of the character and find real humanity in the role. Ideally, I would want this Riddler in the Dark Knight trilogy since Nolan's work with Williams and in, Insomnia was also fantastic. So he, break, he breaks the rule there because the 
Dark Knight trilogy was done and dusted by the time of uh, Robin Williams' death. Yeah. Uh, but it it does bring to light that, like, God, the Riddler is on the edge of having a definitive live action mm. portrayal isn't he he's he's like the last one left of the of the once the redone batman villains yeah, yeah. that we haven't really seen brought back yet um like it feels like he just missed out on being in the dark knight trilogy yeah i, I remember when um <laughs> after the dark knight came out there was like all these fan posters for mm. um like batman 3 <laughs> um yeah. and i saw like neil patrick harris david tennant I think we'd both do great jobs as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, I also think, I wonder if Robin Williams would have maybe had like a a TV show like Kidding, the Jim Carrey one. Yeah, yeah. Um, where it's a chance to use kind of the audience, the general public's perception of him as like a, a funny man and then really go into like the depths of depression and whatnot through that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I yeah. think that could be cool. Oh, yeah. are we, are we, so we're doing Robin Williams now? Yeah, if you've got yep. some. Because I had a couple of ideas for Robin Williams. Um, my first idea that, like, because <laughs> I so, I mean, I my uh, way of getting into this was to basically go, okay, they died, and then go to what year they died, how old they were when they died, and then go, okay, in the next three years after that, what movies came out that I thought would probably be good for them. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't have letterbox, so I just had to like the poor man that I am. I went to Wikipedia. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> um, Wikipedia is our friend too. Yeah, <laughs> just not as cool as letterboxed. Um, so I, but the thing that came to mind, like the only thing that came to mind when I was thinking about it, was the one I had for Robin Williams, and I don't know why, but I just thought how awesome it would be if he was in Ozark, the TV show with Jason Bateman, as either Jason Bateman's father or as, like, one of the gang bosses from, like, who who Jason Bateman was have to, having to deal with. And I was like, there's something about that show. It's it's filmed, it's set in America. It's, um, I don't know, I just feel like that tension and, and seeing what Jason Bateman has been able to do in that dramatic role as someone who's mainly, who's first known as a comedian, um... I don't know. I just think that Robin Williams and Jason Bateman would just have a really cool energy against each other. Nice. Mm. I like that. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. I, I, I would love to have seen him in more of those like supporting roles where it's like yeah, character it's just, roles. Yeah. Character roles. And um, yeah, he he just had such that, that warmth that he just brought to any role. And I say, I say warmth that he, even when he's playing a villain in like one hour photo or um, insomnia, it's like, it, it's like a lived in, the characters feel really lived in. Well, he's magnetic. Yeah. That's the thing. Like you, yeah. you just want to watch him regardless of, and so it's like, that's why he's so good as an antagonist because you view him like a protagonist, you know, you view him like someone that you're meant to be paying attention to. Hmm. Mm. Um, ironic Brad posts on Instagram also commented, uh, Robin Williams as the live action genie. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, which, yeah. Right. Like if he were still alive, I doubt they would have recast genie. No, he would have been like Mufasa. Like they didn't recast James yeah. Earl Jones. Cause you can't. Interesting. Yeah. I think they still would have, but they, Real? they might've, I, I actually think that if Robin Williams was still alive, we we could have still gotten like a Will Smith or a Dwayne Johnson or even a Jack Black. Um, but they would be allowed to be more different because right. now it's like 
you're our last tie to Robin Williams. You have to give us some of that. Whereas if it's like Robin Williams goes to the premiere and he's like, yeah, fuck it. Let's, let's do something different. Um, that's when I think Will Smith, uh, for example, would really be able to go Phil Will Smith, which we all kind of agreed was the biggest issue with it, that he wasn't like just being Will Yeah, well, because the issue, the issue with um, live action Aladdin for Robin Williams when he would have been in his sort of mid to late 60s is that it was live action. And so how could he have turned in like the same kind of energetic performance as, I mean, even though it was CGI, like there were still large elements of it. If we're still imagining yeah, it was you might Guy, be right. Guy Ritchie. But as, as a, um, as a contra to that, like, I think it would have been really cool given what AJ was saying about how his career was kind of on the downturn that like the live action Aladdin could have been like the Renaissance of, of Robin Williams, like bringing him back to kind of a list again. Hmm. Sort of like how, um, James Franco got me too'd through the the press tour for the disaster artist, so they just had Tommy Wiseau do it all again. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you could get you could get um you could get Robin Williams on the press tour, even if he's not in the movie, or maybe only has a has mm. a cameo in the film. That was a weird comparison. Um, <laughs> but you know you know who what? Okay, here is who Robin Williams would have played were he still alive. He would be the cameo at the end of Jumanji: The Next Level. And Jumanji oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> three or whatever it's called would be the would be the merging of the original Jumanji movie with the new series because yeah. at yeah. the end of Jumanji the next level it's like a cameo of like one of the female characters from the first Jumanji yeah. who's not famous anymore. It's, um, it's a cameo um, of Winston from um from New Girl. <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> is it? Yeah, he, he like he about? shows up at the end, and he, and he he's the one that brings oh, yes. everything into no, the no, real world. No, 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 it's it's who Danny DeVito is talking to in the cafe. She is like from the original Jumanji, um, but they Robin Williams would if he if he wasn't if he wasn't in Welcome to the Jungle, which it feels like they would have put him in that already. He would mm. be at the end of the new one, and the third Jumanji movie would feature him reprising his role in full as Alan Parrish, much in the way that Sam Neill and Laura Dern and Jeff Goldblum are all returning to Jurassic World. Um, what's it called? Dominion. Yeah. yeah. Dominion. <laughs> yeah. On on my, my last suggestion for Robin Williams was a little bit of a rule break, but when I was thinking about roles that I think that he would be amazing in, I'd actually like to see a version of Bad Santa with him as Bad Santa. Nice. It would have to be Bad Santa too. <laughs> Because he was alive for the first. Bad no, Santa. Know, that's what I'm saying. It's a rule break, right? He could he could be in Bad Santa two or three as like the anti. He could be good Santa, and it's about <laughs> Billy Bob. Th- Seriously, that's my continue the franchise. <laughs> Bad Santa is is he meets like a good Santa, and the movie is him slowly breaking down the good Santa to be just as bad of a Santa. Well, I, I would like to see Bad Santas, and it's like. He moves to a new <laughs> store or something like that, and there's already one there, and so there's like they compete with each other. But I think I, I just, think it's a great idea, like Robin Williams, as like because you would like go into this new store and you've got this beautiful, warm like um, Santa played by Robin Williams, and you go oh, and then he like goes and goes oh, fucking kids, you know, like <laughs> and, and he would suit both of those roles so well, and he he would be a lot more convincing as like the santa yeah but mm. just as bad as billy bob thornton 
Yeah. Great idea. I like, I really like that this is an idea we came up with from uh, riffing with each other and not one prepared because it's the perfect kind of rift idea. Yeah. Like, when you when you, you go to listen to this episode, oh, roles that actors could have played if they hadn't died. Interesting. You come away with Robin Williams in a bad Santa sequel. You, you know, that's not the kind of idea you plan. That's the kind of idea you accidentally come up with yeah. on pod. I love it. I mean, I, but, um, I, I did plan that. I, I said he should... Oh, well, anyway. <laughs> okay, you did actually plan it. That's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> Classic AJ, trying to take credit for all my best ideas. Good times. I didn't say I came up with the idea. All right. Um, so one idea that actually was sort of the the genesis of this podcast, um, mm. that and this is one of those roles that like it's played perfectly as is, but um, Philip Seymour Hoffman, as we found out, uh on our last off week episode he's my favorite actor um that uh, i think he would have done a great job as terence fletcher in whiplash now like oh, whiplash yeah. one of my favorite movies of all time and we found out earlier in the year that it's the number one movie of the 2010s they're called as voted oh, by <laughs> by us um <laughs> we found out <laughs> <laughs> um but and so like i I think because jk simmons incredible incredible actor and that role propelled him to like the next level of stardom but he plays it's very much like a drill sergeant and that works for the film Uh, but i would just love to see the kind of uh gravitas and like flawed character that philip seymour hoffman would would bring to that Mm. um because like famously and almost famous there's a scene where he's um talking on the phone to the main character and it was written as him like telling him off but then he played it as like this is a, a man whose life appears amazing from the outside giving a moment of vulnerability to some kid and it's like mm. to see that kind of depth and range to what is you know borderline a one-note character apart mm. from you know yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's he's fleshed out through sort of you um sprinkled him on scenes and whiplash but yeah i would just love to see that kind of depth to terence fletcher who yeah. i already fucking love as is i can imagine he would bring more of a sense of sort of a tortured brooding artist who mm. like you could see i think you could empathize you know like whereas you know um uh jk simmons really plays him as someone who's so impenetrable um whereas i think that philip seymour hoffman would definitely give you more of that sense of like yeah that that he has this whole world behind him and and all these kind of almost empathetic reasons for why he is so the way that he is Mm. and i also think that like it would almost be more terrifying because like getting yelled at being called fat like just getting these like like yeah drill sergeant kind of things yelled at you but like coming from a man who has been through all of this himself and really wants to hurt you mm. um and i think that philip Seymour hoffman it would be almost more terrifying yeah um mm. and so yeah that, that's one that i that that's sort of what sparked the idea of this in my head nice um, i have some uh, other philip seymour hoffman potential castings um let me know what you think of this uh the voice of the boss baby (laughs) (laughs) is there something about alec baldwin that means he's appropriate to play the boss baby yes his character in 30 rock 
And his character in Queen Glary Glen Ross. Hmm. I guess that must be it because I never felt like he was that much of a get. You know, they're like, that's right. We got Alec Baldwin to voice the baby. But it's like Alec Baldwin's like kind of a TV actor anyway. Like, well, he's yeah, both. But, but like, I think he's, he's just, not- it's like he's known for having a deep raspy voice. And it's not so much like we got Alec Baldwin. It's like Alec Baldwin as the voice of a baby. <laughs> Watch to find out. Which I feel like you could apply the same sell to Philip Seymour Hoffman yeah. as the boss baby, right? But I think like, that Philip Seymour Hoffman brings more layers and nuance. And so in terms yeah, of- Yeah, but voice- like, that's so funny to put on the boss baby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the, I think the idea of- Alec, I mean, anyway, I'm not here to defend Alec Baldwin as the choice for boss baby. But <laughs> <laughs> apparently I am. This is where we are. Love this riff, guys. Uh- <laughs> Like Oscar winning J.K. Simmons and Whiplash is like, yeah, yeah, cool, let's change it. But like Alec Baldwin is the boss, baby. He's like, no one can replace him. Well, it's, it's the difference between like a full physical performance and voice acting, right? So mm. like Alec Baldwin as the voice actor for for Boss Baby, his voice is so much about that. Like he's got that sort of that confidence, but also like there's a cynicism that runs through his voice that just embodies that kind of. I don't know, that kind of cocky, confident asshole. Have you guys Mm. seen um, Mary and Max? Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. No. No. The claymation for, it's like, it's a a voice role from Philip Seymour Hoffman, where he's playing this, like, um, depressed, autistic, middle-aged man who um, becomes pen pals with um, a, a young Australian girl. And it's and I'm imagining that as the boss baby. So it's very like every single word is spelled out like this, and there's also just a sadness to it. <laughs> yeah, what about um, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman as the boss baby, but he's doing his Capote voice, <laughs> and he just sounds like a baby. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, do you another, want to do the Capote Philip- voice for anyone who hasn't heard it, AJ? Uh, is, it, is it like this? Is this a good... Uh, I sound like Bjork. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just want to touch all the little butterflies. <laughs> that's there. That's Capote. Um, <laughs> I was doing Bjork. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One, um, one uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman role as well that, like, talking about the which Marvel villain they could have played, but Doc, um, but Philip Seymour Hoffman is Doc Ock. Yep. Yeah. That'd be cool. And the MCU, that'd be great. Yeah. Um... Okay, uh, another role I thought of for Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, I got I got five for Philip Seymour Hoffman. So lay it on us, pal. Um, <laughs> uh, Kevin Spacey's character from Baby Driver. I'm sticking with casting him in films with baby in the title. Um, no, I okay. <laughs> now n- let's get the obvious out of the way. I know they didn't know it at the time of Baby Driver. But this allows us to remove the kind of stigma because Baby Driver was like Kevin Spacey's last hurrah before he was <laughs> yeah. thrown into the depths, right? So much so, because they, they came out like 
2017 as 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 uh, baby driver and 2017 is also when all the shit came out about Kevin Spacey and to me they came out at the same time and so it's very strange to remember baby driver and be like what Kevin Spacey I feel like I haven't seen him in a movie in a hundred years and yet he's in this film that still feels pretty recent so yeah. obviously you have that soothsayer-esque uh problem solved for the for the movie and we can probably all agree i'm assuming that philip seymour hoffman is as good of if not better an actor than kevin spacey mm. um also kevin spacey's not that great than the baby, yeah. baby driver like i'll say it i was fr- afraid to say it at the time but there's a scene where he helps baby and the girl get away and when he does it he's like i was in love once Da, 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 da. and it's this horrible performance it's 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 a, <laughs> it's a cheesy line that it, you might want to blame it on the writing but then in my head i imagine philip seymour hoffman saying that line and yeah. i was like it's a great line yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Him, it being like i was in love once and his philip seymour hoffman voice and, yeah and, and, and doing it like feels the, more real don't quote monster zing to me i fucking i've i've seen the movie like yeah, yeah exactly you're right like <laughs> I feel yeah I just feel like Philip Seymour Hoffman I mean there's you know we're getting into the territory now where it's like it feels like hmm it feels like a bunch of different actors could have played that role yeah AJ. but oh yes, man that's correct, this is actually just the, making me purposes. real sad now like <laughs> like imagining all these roles as Philip Seymour Hoffman and well mm, shall I move yeah. to it to my next one which is um a bit controversial because this is replacing an actor who many would say is irreplaceable in this role or maybe they wouldn't I don't actually know how he was nominated for it. Um, Dick Cheney in Vice. Oh my gosh, it, that was my one for Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. Oh nice. Well, it's, I mean, it's you know, it's what I mean. He they, looks they like him. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Um, and because I I get that Christian Bale like put on all the weight and da 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 da, and it's like yeah, but Philip Seymour Hoffman like, was fat already. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Christian Bale getting into character was more impressive because he was being he was doing it, and his actual performance as Dick Cheney was fine. And it, it, know, it, like, it did take you out of the movie that you knew that Christian Bale doesn't look really at all like Dick mm. Cheney. Whereas yeah. I think, mm. like you're saying, like I think people were more impressed that Christian Bale got that close to someone he's not at all like. Whereas I think that the movie would be better served by, um, by Philip Seymour Hoffman. I agree. So, yeah, I'm glad. Do you have any thoughts on that, Richard? Uh, I love it. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. All right, now it's time for um, if Philip Seymour Hoffman was still alive, which Marvel character would he have played? Oh, are, uh, we, are we are we finished with other roles? No, no, I'm I'm still on Philip Seymour Hoffman. No, no, which I, Marvel but Jeremy, character? if you've got one before Marvel, then do you want to? Yeah, yeah, because I also thought, um, given that he was such a um, Paul Thomas Anderson like you know muse, I mm. would be so interested to see Phantom Thread with him instead of Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah. Oh yes, what a please. call! What a call! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love it. Yeah, I did think of that, but but my my acknowledgement of how revered Daniel Day Lewis has kept me from being like, yeah, he should have been the guy in Phantom Thread. Um, but that's a good point. Okay, which Marvel character should Philip Seymour Hoffman have played? Bear in mind, it has to be a post twenty fourteen Marvel film. I think um, Yonrog in Captain Marvel, Jude Law's character. Oh, yeah, Jude yeah, Law nice. is kind of like the nothing in that movie, right? He's the 
that bland Marvel flavor of character that is completely like a like a brunette white man and he doesn't offer anything he doesn't change he's not he's the least interesting character in a movie that's already at its peak like struggling to be entirely interesting um and i do like that movie somewhat but but that is i think that that is a problem with it is that it fails to stand out and philip seymour hoffman would just be that special source as Yon Rog. Well, and also you could believe that he was good. Whereas like from the very beginning of the movie, you're like, yeah, Jude Law's bad. You know, he's bad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. Um, so that's my Marvel cast for Philip Seymour Hoffman. The other one would be, um, Black Panther. We, we can, (laughs) we can just throw any other actor at this because it's such a nothing role and is begging to be, um, to be filled out somewhat would be, uh, yellow jacket from Ant-Man. I don't yeah, know if Philip yeah. Seymour Hoffman should have played that character necessarily, but that he is the the he is literally a bald man. <laughs> Yellow jacket <laughs> yeah. man who plays him. He's literally a blank slate of a person, and I would have loved to have seen someone with more pizzazz play that role. Um and my final cast, fan cast for, for Philip Seymour Hoffman, where he's still alive, is a little bit of an outside the box one. That Jeremy will not understand at all. Great. Um, <laughs> Excited. I think Richard, he he should have played, uh, what's the character's name? Candy in El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. The the bad guy in El Camino. Right, yeah, yeah, okay. I was, because th- I was, again, and this, absolutely, I will admit this comes from just looking at who, what movies came out after his death. And I just, I feel like there's something and maybe there is a connection that i'm not fully um realizing there's something very breaking bad appropriate for philip seymour hoffman i'm not sure what that is and i could just i think al camino maybe needed a big name attached to it to like be like it's a movie it's not you know it's not Mm. an episode of the tv show and i think philip seymour hoffman um he can play a nazi you know give him like real like a mullet and he can play a welder which is what candy is and i don't know i just figured if i'm gonna put philip seymour hoffman in a 2019 movie well it'd be captain marvel i guess but it would also be al camino a breaking bad movie well, yes. Richard, I've also got a um, an exclusionary movie idea for Philip Seymour Hoffman <laughs> mm-hmm. that you and I can uh, jones around about with that old jones here. Um, oh, come on, mate. I would cast him in the non-Ray Romano role of Paddleton, and I think that would make Paddleton oh. an A-plus, like an A-grade movie that AJ would have to have seen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that movie. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Um because it was Mark, what's his face? Mark Duplass. Mark Duplass. Yeah. Um, and it's like, it's his d- movie, so it's like, you know. <laughs> when I see Mark Duplass, I go, <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman, yes, please. <laughs> nice, yeah, I, I like that. It, um, that's one of those ones that, like, the movie would be t- too good. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, it, w- it would be an Oscar, like, if, if, if he was in it, playing that role, he would have been nominated for an Oscar, I reckon. Yeah. Because the, the the meat is there. It's just that no one really cared about it because A, it was a Netflix movie and B, it didn't, you know, it was like Ray Romano and someone no one's ever heard of. Yeah. We've got some um, some responses to the question on Discord, which I might run through as we transition mm-hmm. 
to our next one. Um, so so I sort of asked it on the Discord, and this, let this be a plug for the Discord. There is a link in the show notes. Come join our Discord and I chat I will not with us. let this be a plug for the Discord. Every day. Every day you can chat to us about whatever you want. Um, some people, uh, Tourette's slash F4 Stan account uh, said Abe Vigoda should have been Vulture, which opened up the floor to a very strange conversation about Abe Vigoda that I didn't really understand what was going on um <laughs> yeah. so check that out on the on the because someone was like ava goat is still alive and i was like well he's not and then they were like nah he is and i was like i i, I guess you're doing a joke but he's he died was this and some then, kind of like elvis situation I, I don't know but he was like yeah i was trying to do a reverse of like the oh that person's dead thing and i was like well you, good try man this is the kind of patronizing you can expect if you join our discord <laughs> we'll talk about you and the and the and the on the podcast like you can't hear us is it reverse um, mandela just gaslighting <laughs> i think it is so you're telling me i've been gaslighted into thinking that the parts of the caribbean four doesn't exist it doesn't what <laughs> but these are five <laughs> i'll go through some more on the discord um Mike Noyes says uh, Bella Lugosi would have made an awesome Marvel villain, which is, I guess, true. I'm not too familiar with Bella Lugosi, but a lot of the um, chat did just descend into this person would make a good Marvel villain. I'll read out some of the the other ones here. Um, uh, Mike also suggested James Dean in a Hitchcock film. Um, let's see. Uh, Chris Farley and Grown Ups, which... Oh no, damn it! We didn't get Chris Farley in Grown Ups! Oh god! Um, <laughs> um, just just on Chris Farley, because I, I don't know if we're going to have much to say about Chris Farley, but um, one thing that we it feels like the world did miss out on is, you know that, um, that Canadian mayor, Rob Ford? Oh yeah. Who, he actually died as well, um, but he was like this disgusting, <laughs> fat, sweaty like Mia who was always in trouble and um he he looked like Chris Farley and he was like older he was probably around about the same age and he like Chris Farley would have come back to Santa Out Live and played him in every sketch because it would have been like such mm. perfect casting like Larry Sanders and oh sorry <laughs> Larry, Larry Sanders <laughs> Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like um, but uh, Rob Ford, if you like have this in somewhere in the recesses of your recesses of your memory, he's the one who was accused of like cheating on his wife, and uh, when asked about it, he was like, "Oh, the accusations say that I um ate her pussy, but why would I do that when I've got plenty to eat at home?" <laughs> and it's like this isn't Meryl. <laughs> <laughs> this is a nightmare. Oh, well, oh also, yes, please. Well, while we're on SNL um, alumni who have died, uh, Craig also suggested that John Belushi should have played Sandler's character, Adam Sandler's character in Funny People. Um, oh, yeah. So that's a, yeah, that's yeah. a cool idea. Um, he also suggested Marilyn Monroe as a reoccurring cameo in The Golden Girls or Sam- the, mama of, the mother of Samantha from Sex and the City. <laughs> nice. Yeah, Marilyn Monroe's an interesting one that if she was still alive, she'd be fucking old, but she'd be like, um, like, like the kind of roles she could have done later on in life had mm. she lived. 
Craig, uh, lastly, Craig also suggested, what if Buddy reprised his role for Earbud Golden Receiver? <laughs> a, grim, a grim suggestion, because if you've listened to our Earbud episode, you will know that they had to replace the dog for the sequel. Um, all right. What, well, the, what's next? On, <laughs> sorry, on, on, on the Chris Farley thing, and just a general comment about comedians who died early, um, I, I did a lot of trawling around to try and figure out, you know, like Jim Belushi and... Is it Jim? No. Well, they both died. No, Jim Belushi's still alive. No, is he? Yeah, oh, right. According to okay. Jim, mate. I th- oh, no. Yeah, different sitcom dad who died. Sorry. Um- <laughs> John Ritter. John Ritter, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that, but a lot of those comedians who died in sort of the early 90s, they... and. The, I looked through the next few years of comedy movies to see what they could have done. And the issue is that all those comedy movies are so based around the main comedian that that was the star. And so you you kind of you can't really swap them out because the kinds of movies that were made were just so dependent on like Adam Sandler, how old he was and like the kinds of characters that he wanted to do. And so the main problem is that we missed out on like the unique comedy characters that those people would have actually come up with out of their own practice. Mm. that's true that's that is true and maybe maybe a different podcast um this could be a good uh uh transition jeremy if you did actually come up with ideas for this person who you said you were going to do uh mike suggests michael clark duncan in a fast and furious film um nice transition to michael clark duncan jeremy yeah, I mean, <laughs> I said I'd do Michael Clark Duncan, and then I realized he was 54 when he died, and I was just like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's, it's quite a difficult age for him to, like, you know, the sort of late 50s, early 60s um, is, a, is a difficult time for an actor that's mainly known for his physicality. Um, yeah. As, yeah, so well, I guess Fast and Furious is a good suggestion for them because he could easily be the man at the desk type villain who's only um, what like three years older than vin diesel <laughs> <laughs> yeah he he plays um if john cena's playing vin diesel's brother in fast nine michael clark duncan plays his other brother <laughs> in fast his dad yeah, yeah that's their dad. And, just, <laughs> and they just they just have a gravel off like they just talk and they have a gravel voice off like uh, uh, <laughs> nice um so is th- that's your <laughs> that's the yeah. michael clark duncan i mean segment. i said i was gonna do it and then i like looked at all the movies that came out after he died and i was like <laughs> well he was such a character actor that it's hard to well the only well, thing like that a, i actually came up actor. with was was actually casting him as nick fury instead of um samuel L. jackson nice but i thought maybe a nick fury that was like that massive like with such huge shoulders and stuff it would look mm. a bit weird to have a nick fury who kind of looked like one of the superheroes yeah. also technically breaking the rule because yes yeah um nick fury was first given to the world samuel jackson's performance as him in iron man in 2007 imagine a recast in the middle of the Marvel universe a recast of nick fury <laughs> nice okay um I thought I did a bit of bit of uh, workshopping on Heath Ledger. Yep. Probably one of the, the strangest cases of 
um, a celebrity death. Um, and I'll get to that in a minute. But um, this isn't my idea because it actually just straight up nearly happened. Uh, and we talked about it on our Mad Max film franchise, Four Nights. But he was attached to Mad Max Fury Road for years. Because if you don't know, Mad Max Fury Road was in development for goddamn two decades or so before it finally got made. Um and is definitively the best film of the 2010s. <clears throat> um, so Yeah, it's definitely in the top couple. <laughs> I put to you guys, um, no one's no one's knocking on Tom Hardy. You know, no one's saying he's he was bad as Mad Max. I'll and say I'm it. not necessarily saying he was bad. Heath Ledger would be <laughs> would be better. But Are you saying that he one, should have been Furiosa? No, no, I'm saying one is Mad Max, Max Rotakowski. Is he a particularly... Rokotansky. Is he a particularly challenging role, do you guys think? No, but you should give it to an Aussie. Bloody struth. Right? I think think that's what it offers to the role because Tom Hardy doesn't really do an Australian accent and he barely talks, so you don't (laughs) know what accent he's doing. Um, But also... Like, I would have loved to have seen um, Heath Ledger as Mad Max, but also because um, it just seems like the kind of role that Heath Ledger would get post The Dark Knight, right? Yeah, totally. Because what I said before about him being kind of an interesting case of, of early celebrity death is it feels like Heath Ledger died just as he got his big break. Like, Oh, yeah. I know I know he'd done Brokeback Mountain, which is as... Is, is, you know, maybe as incredible of a performance as the Joker and the Dark Knight. Um, but that was still, I feel like, I don't know, it feels still kind of underground. Well, um, the thing the thing is that with, with true A-list celebrities who fully cross over, they need their kind of like Oscar. It's like Julia Roberts, right? Like, I mean, Julia Roberts is not a great idea, but a uh, great example. But like the idea is that you have the small indie darling film that you do that's kind of a challenging, controversial role choice that you win the Oscar for or you get nominated for. And then you also prove your blockbuster credentials by, you know, really doing something that is full market, like your billion dollar movie kind mm. of thing. And then mm. you are fully a list celebrity. Yeah, and that's what he'd done with with yeah. Joker, which was revolutionary. And part of the reasons Joker's so scary is because it's probably one of the best examples of the the cliche of an actor disappearing into a role mm. that I can think of. Like Heath Ledger is unrecognizable in that film. Yeah, um, and, and but like, I and you think- can still see online all the comments from when he was first cast as like, oh, he's probably going to try and have sex with Batman because he's a gay cowboy, and that's all <laughs> that was known of Heath Ledger. Um, but it was hmm. after he passed away and I was after his performance. I mean, I'm not here for this level of Knight's Tale erasure, guys. A Knight's Tale, <laughs> come on. But like uh, after that, it was he was retroactively considered an incredible actor, it seems, like almost overnight. Like That's yeah. that's exactly my point. Thank you, Richard. Yeah, like Knight's Tale is, is fine. It's a it's kind of a role anyone could play, right? Um, Tom Hardy um, could have done it, for example. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> J.K. Simmons could I, have done it. Martin Lawrence could have done it. <laughs> I, I guess I'm saying like it's hard to cast Heath Ledger in roles that he um, that he never got because it almost feels like films would be written for him. Because while like what kind of actor is Heath Ledger? He we got two Oscar worthy performances out of him before he he passed away. 
But what else? You know, it was, okay. was he a chameleon? Was he, he a villain? What is the what is Heath Ledger? What is Heath Ledger? Here's what I think. Because one thing that's interesting in looking at these and like the alternate reality kind of way of looking at them is there's a lot of times where it seems like an actor like stole someone's career almost. Um, and one example mm-hmm. that I thought of uh, for Heath Ledger specifically is that. Almost any role that went to Michael Fassbender post-2008 could have gone to Heath Ledger. Wow, okay. Like, imagine yeah. Heath Ledger in Inglorious Bastards, Heath Ledger as Magneto. Um, Heath Ledger in Shame? Oh yeah, my Heath gosh. Le- Heath Ledger in, like, um, in that small role in 12 Years a Slave. And also, like... Well, yeah, how big like- is Heath Ledger's dick? I mean, we need to know for Shame. That's important. Um, and there's also a handful of um, Jake Gyllenhaal roles that I'm sure could have gone to Heath Ledger. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal, you know, obviously that they kind of like met in the middle at Brokeback Mountain and then could have essentially had the same mm. career following that. Yeah, well, it's interesting because when you said, when you were saying actor who stole career, I thought you were going to say Jake Gyllenhaal because mm. I was thinking about Jake Gyllenhaal's role in Prisoners as well. Yeah. Hmm. He stole his career by like kissing him. He like <laughs> his career out of him. <laughs> sorry, is that a gay joke? I'm sorry. Um, uh, but do, do the, you know, can I, I tell okay. you the one I thought of for Heath Ledger that I was like yes. super proud of? Um, mm. This one that again, it's like it's a role played very well, but I could see the the ten years following his death, his career leading to this point where he would direct and star in a remake of A Star Is Born. Yeah, man. Totally. Because 10 I Things I Hate About You showed us that he could sing. Exactly. And so it's like, <laughs> but like that sort of gritty, dark, and also like he seems like 100% seems like the kind of actor who would have started directing at some point and his first foray into it would have been incredible. And so I think that, mm. yeah, Star is Born, about the right age, like everything, it would have been. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, would have worked out. On a, on a similar train of thought, Richard, um, Heath Ledger is, is now, because of his death, a weird anomaly in uh, Christopher Nolan's filmography, where he's one of the few actors who he hasn't worked with multiple times. Um, yeah. And so I was like, what what other Nolan movie would Heath Ledger be in? And other than like him just reprising his role as the Joker in The Dark Knight Rises, which I feel like definitely would have happened, right? Like it's almost like the main the main problem with The Dark Knight Rises is that there's this big hole in it where the Joker and Heath Ledger um, feel like they should be, um, even if it's just a cameo. Uh, but I could see him being um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character in Inception. Interesting. And mainly because they, to me, they look identical. Yeah, yeah, Joseph yeah, yeah. Gordon-Levitt and Heath Ledger, <laughs> they look so similar. And when Joseph Gordon-Levitt was cast in The Dark Knight Rises, there was legitimate discussion that he was replacing Heath Ledger even just to be, as the Joker, even just for like a non-talking, non-speaking cameo. Yeah. I also think that he would have maybe usurped uh, Matthew McConaughey for the lead in Interstellar. Yeah. I could see that being a Heath Ledger Heath Ledger role? Fuck yeah, it. He, could, he would have usurped Matthew McConaughey for Dallas Buyers Club and True Detective. Do we do we Maybe. think that the McConaughey would not have happened if Heath Ledger was around? What a butterfly effectian yeah. conversation this is. <laughs> Maybe right. Mm. I, mean, I mean, are they? Do they occupy the same space necessarily? Not really, but well, I I actually think they have the same sort of like rangy, good-looking appeal. Like yeah. not. 
not classically movie good looking like like Jake Jake Gyllenhaal is that classic movie like Hollywood leading man look whereas I think that like McConaughey and they're like the ruffian you know they're, they're like the sort of the cheeky ruffian kind the, the of the one that your mum doesn't want you to bring home yeah that's right yeah I actually think that Matthew McConaughey is a good um yeah a, a good analog for is it analog anyway. yeah sure yeah yeah good other, a good other option for uh, for Heath Ledger Except mm. Heath Ledger's much better. <laughs> do you reckon? Yeah, I do. Although, also, um, Lars and the Real Girl? Is that a Heath Ledger role? Yeah, when did that you... come out, though? Um, oh, you, you're, that might have been 2006. You're right, actually. Dumbass. Breaks the rules. <laughs> yeah, it's 2007. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, well, here's some more suggestions from our listeners, our wonderful listeners. Christopher Garrett Brown on Instagram said, Brandon Lee in any ensemble action film, Armageddon, Conair, The Rock, etc. Um, yep, I could definitely definitely see that. Um, here is a couple of examples that these are, like this is submitted from a listener and the most... Uh, the, the coolest idea, I think, is from Ed Amon, who suggested um, young James Stewart as the Santa Claus. Of course, that would be incredible. <laughs> like some some time travel needs to take place, right? Oh, yeah. But that's allowed in these rules, I guess. Uh, it feels like if, if Jimmy Stewart had played um, Scott Calvin. No, I, I got to get married. <laughs> I was waiting for that line. I was so excited to hear you deliver that <laughs> I, I feel like Jimmy Stewart's Scott Fat Calvin would have elevated that movie above an already pretty, you know, respected um, pillar in, in Christmas movie canon. <laughs> an already pretty respected actor in Tim Allen. <laughs> well, and, and we wouldn't, we potentially wouldn't have that problem of, of, of Tim Allen being this awkward thing you have to sit through watching um, the, the Santa Claus or other great films that happen to star Tim Allen, such as Big Trouble. Um Maybe Jimmy Stewart could have played the main character in Big Trouble. Well, what's what's Big Trouble like? I haven't I haven't heard about it. Oh, it's so good, dude! It's, it's great. It's like it Arrested stars Development. Tim Allen. It's a movie version of Arrested <laughs> Development. It's got Stanley oh. Tucci in it. Sta- um, Gab, what's her name? The the lady Sophia from Vigara. Modern Family. Sophia Vergara. Yep, she's in it. This happens every time that you say it's got that woman, and you say a name that starts with a G, and then you say <laughs> the woman from Modern Family. <laughs> 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 Ed Amon um, play, uh, also suggested James Dean would make a fantastic contemporary Joker, uh, case in point, Rebel Without a Cause, and he also suggested Catherine Hepburn as the bride in Kill Bill. These are great examples because they're kind of a different version of this concept where yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. casting movies at a different time period. One yeah, that yeah. Um, it's like the actor isn't dead, but they've aged out of the role potentially is um, the fact that Willem Dafoe never got a chance to play the Joker. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, he played. He could still be the Joker, probably. To be honest, I mean, they're it's probably going to make three new Joker movies next year, so you know, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, Old Joker. One, one suggestion. One suggestion that I loved, even though I don't fully understand it, but it was a great use of an actor I hadn't thought of. Um, Sam Stanley suggested Anton Yelchin as uh, Paul Atreides in the upcoming Dune film. Oh so yeah, Charlotte, definitely. Yeah. What a great application of Anton Yelchin. <laughs> I actually, yeah, Anton Yelchin was one that I thought of. Um, yeah. Anton Ant- Ant- Yelchin's great. And he's another one that I was trying to think, of. It, it almost feels like there's careers that got stolen 
um, from him. Mm. What uh, I thought of the uh, the Marvel yep. thing, he could have played Reed Richards, right? Yep. But yeah, there was one that uh, came up earlier on while we were talking, and I was like, oh, I'll make a note of that, and I forgot to. But Anton Yelchin gone too soon. R.I.P. Mm. He also suggests Adam West to play Bruce Wayne in a Batman Beyond movie. Um, which I, I feel like Michael Keaton's the person you get for a Batman Beyond movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but to each their own. Um, what else has he suggested? He suggested a whole bunch. James Horner reprising for Avatar, even do the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. Um, I'd like to imagine child actors who died young and what they would have been like in movies as adults, like Judith Barcy, River Phoenix, Heather O'Rourke and the sort. Uh, and lastly, he also suggests Robin Williams in a DCEU movie. Nice. I, um, I do think that if River yeah. Phoenix was still alive, we wouldn't have Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Oh, Joaquin, actually. I think we wouldn't have Joaquin instead of River. Um, yeah, because he would have just overshadowed him. Yeah, um, exactly. Like, he just would never have gotten as famous. Yeah, or um, or like Johnny Depp as well is another one that's like yes sorry that was actually an idea i had when you first when you first talked about this my idea was essentially river phoenix for jack sparrow yeah river phoenix as johnny depp (laughs) yeah exactly pretty much and then we wouldn't have like this sort of like is he isn't he like awkwardness around this whole career right now in the last three years oh you don't know river phoenix might not have been squeaky clean either yeah I, I do not know nearly enough about River Phoenix to comfortably say, yes, he should have played Jack Sparrow. Well, every, it's just that everyone everyone at the time was talking about him. And like, you know, the fact that um, all, the, all the directors were sort of lining up to work with him, you know, Steven Spielberg casting him as the young Indiana, um, you know, just he was the new exciting. And I actually think you're right with Leonardo DiCaprio. That's... that's I mean, I can see a future, a past, sorry, where River played um, Jack Dawson in Titanic. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Let's look at some more comments. Um, uh, Jamie Larson says Oliver Reed as Thomas Wake in The Lighthouse. I looked up Oliver Reed and unless I'm not getting something, I don't get it. Um, I don't. I don't know who Oliver Reed is. Do you guys know who Oliver Reed is? Yeah, Oliver Reed was a kind of he was, um, you know the the fat guy from Jurassic Park. Yeah, Newman. He was the more respect. He was the more respectable version of that guy. So he often played like someone who worked from the government in like nineties kind of almost pr- kind of procedural thriller movies. He was like the sort of good FBI guy. He had he was not super fat, but always kind of chubby. Um, and he was just a, he was a really good screen presence, but he just he wasn't a leading man. He was a sort of a character actor. Character actor. Oh, mm. nice. Sweet. Um, and Julian Jocelyn uh, said he would love to see a Doctor Who movie with all the Doctors getting equal roles. Um, and he also said he would have loved to have seen David Bowie and Alan Rickman as James Bond villains. Nice. So. Is this a transition um, into one of those actors that we can talk about? Yeah, well, because I've actually got a couple that, um, that you know, they were actually looked at these roles and then they died. Um, so David Bowie had a couple. He was looked at for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Uh, it's unclear what role, mm-hmm. not necessarily Kurt Russell's role, but I think he could have been, you know, you could replace Sylvester Stallone in that movie. Yeah. With David I Bowie. highly doubt that um, Kurt, Kurt Russell seems like, like he looks like Chris Pratt way more than David Bowie does. Yeah, and he's playing his dad. Yeah, exactly. So, so I don't I, like 
he, he um, James Gunn had apparently met with or talked to David Bowie about appearing in Guardians of the Galaxy, um, but they just couldn't work it out before he died. Um, so I think yeah, Kurt Russell probably stays as ego, but David Bowie like he he's a, he is a fucking spaceman, yeah, you know. Yeah. Like you can throw him in in Sylvester Stallone's role, for example, and it's believable that he was one of Yondu's old yeah. like you know. And then the other one that David Bowie was looked at for was um, Nyanda Wallace, uh, Jared Leto's character in Blade Runner 2049. Ugh. And oh, like, wow. even though Jared Leto's like pretty decent in that movie, but it is like you don't want to inflate his ego by having him play the godlike character in this <laughs> thing. But like having David Bowie play that, I think, again, it's like, yeah, he is a freaky spaceman who would have invented the replicants. And, yeah, man. And, you know, being a little bit older, oh, and I think that would really Fuck, work. I hate Jared Leto. But also... <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, this is well canvas. But the, <laughs> the other thing with David Bowie in that role is that you you see Jared Leto in Blade, Blade Runner 2049 and you just go like, ooh, yuck, icky, icky, evil guy from the very, very beginning. Whereas I feel mm. like David Bowie would have taken that character in such a in more interesting direction where he could be kind of, at the beginning, you're like, I mean, he's he seems incredible and like this like very impressive amazing person and then as the movie goes on he becomes more and more evil and i think that the mm. discovering evil is always creepier and more horrible than like yeah. just going like someone just going hey i'm evil Fuck yeah, like dude. right from the beginning also, that's yeah. a great way to put it i think that, that that as well that like you um the 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 impression that the world of blade around 2049 has of nyanda wallace is like um it's what it's how Jared Leto sees himself, but it's how the world <laughs> saw David Bowie. Amen, and brother. So I think, like, <laughs> like you know, you ha- you have Jared Leto walk in and you go, "Shit, this character's a big deal because he's acting like he is one." But you go, "Shit, this character's a big deal because it's fucking David yeah. Bowie." You know? Yeah. I mean, it's like it's like Bowie playing Tesla. You know, like you just yeah. go, "Wow, this guy really did." Like he was maybe dealing in magic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 100%. Yeah, nice. Um, did you have any for Alan Rickman, Jeremy? Yeah, um, I thought of Alan Rickman. Um, I just wanted him to play a Bond villain, and I thought about him playing Christoph Waltz's character Inspector and thinking that it would actually, I don't know, I think it would add a, a bit more. Uh, it's weird to say that more gravitas than Christoph Waltz, because I think that Christoph Waltz is an amazing actor, but I just think that Alan Rickman would have been someone. And obviously he would have been older, um, and so the oh, whole you know, storyline. So they couldn't have been brothers. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. And it was just—I oh, was about no. to say, just about to say—maybe that would have fixed one of the biggest issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I just think that Alan Rickman has just such, especially as he got older, um, he had this whole like side to his career. I think of playing kind of like just cool older roles the other thing that i really wanted him to um be able to do later on in like maybe even like 20 years time you know 15 20 years time was to play gandalf in like some form of lord of the rings ish um kind of mm. uh, remake whether it's the amazon series or, or something else nice um i do have to quickly just say though jeremy specter does break the rule because specter a 2015 movie and oh. alan rickman one of the first big deaths of what would be the the running joke of 2016 um <laughs> so 
yeah, how many more that, people can die in 2016. Well, yeah. but, but I don't, sorry, joke was maybe the wrong term to use, but do you remember when, like, I remember waking up to finding out Alan Rickman died and being like, oh, no, and then two days later, David Bowie dying and being Other like, oh, man, it can't get any worse, and then it got progressively more yeah. worse as it, was, as it um, went on. David Bowie died four days before Alan Rickman. Uh, I apologize. There you go. But yeah, and then it was like, oh no, fucking uh, George Michael died. And then like a day later, oh, Carrie Fisher died. And then like a day later, oh, Carrie Fisher's mum died. Yeah, yeah. Oh shit, that was sad. And, yeah. and worst of all, and, so and on November the 4th, 2016, democracy died in America. Um. Okay, another yeah. one, um, there's a couple more that were like looked at before they died. One was um, uh, Burt Reynolds was supposed to play uh, Bruce Dern's character in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood of the, the Sp- uh, Spawn Ranch, the guy that owns that. Yeah, I wonder if that would have made more sense because that scene in the movie now feels so out of place, whereas Burt Reynolds, it might have been because it's Burt Reynolds. That's why it's a significant yeah, yeah, yeah. scene. But also, I'm going to say it, I I reckon I just don't get Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think that's it. I just don't get yeah, it. Yeah, me neither. I don't get what that movie's about. Me neither. Um, <laughs> so, uh, another one uh, that, that, like, I think that, you know, they met with, and I think he actually, to be fair, turned down the role before he died, but um, Gene Wilder as James Halliday in Ready Player One. Who plays him in the actual uh, movie? Mark Rylance. Mark Rylance. And it's like Mark Rylance is pretty fucking good. In he that was, movie. but it's like this character is Willy Wonka of the 21st century. It's it's a man who's leaving his legacy behind on his deathbed. And yeah, like if there had been Gene Wilder, like Mark Rylance was able to play him uh, throughout his life. And so I think they probably did the right choice by picking a younger younger actor who you can then age up to the end of his life, um, rather than picking mm. one who died before the movie came out um and trying to de-age him um but yeah i think just the meta narrative of like willy wonka coming out of retirement as well to play this character one final time in a steven spielberg movie would have been amazing who played who was simon Pegg's character um ogden morrow that should have been philip seymour hoffman oh dude (laughs) It should have been Nick Frost, Although I, to be honest. I feel like it has less... Philip Seymour Hoffman does have less nerd clout than Simon Pegg, though. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> um, all right, so if you guys don't have any more, uh, I've just got a I couple more. Um, so one... Okay, and this one, again, I was quite proud of thinking of. Um, well, congratulations. Thank you very much. So Kingsman, the villain, played by Samuel Jackson, who's doing like a weird comedic role and it's like he's not really into it or he's he's too into it or he's not into it enough but um imagine that role being played by bernie mac yeah nice that is a good idea like not 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 necessarily with the lisp and everything like that but just like yeah bernie mac as the villain in kingsman that excited me um and then my last one is um another case of like a career being stolen um so roles like bane and like the tom hardy 2010s roles you got bane like dunkirk mad max i think like all of those could have been played by earl hindman who is that who played wilson on home improvement <laughs> so what are you talking about because oh my gosh like earl hindman's thing <laughs> 
was having half his face covered. And then Tom oh Hardy just stole that from him and took all these roles that Earl Hinman could have played. What a note. What a note to end on, Richard. I love it. I love it. That is... Sorry, can can we can we not end it just for a second? Because I've just <laughs> I've just had a uh, a late breaking um, because this is the Philip Seymour Hoffman loving podcast. I have thought of one final role that I think could be beloved or totally rejected by AJ, and I'm really interested to see. Um, I would like to see. I would like to have seen Philip Seymour Hoffman replace Daniel Craig in Knives Out. You know what? I'm not against it. <laughs> I'm I'm fascinated by I it. I think he could have been a far more, a, a less sticky and more sticky. like, uh, yeah, I think that Philip Seymour Hoffman would not have taken me out of the movie in the ways that Daniel Craig took me out of the movie. I still loved the movie. Well, I loved the whole experience. Mm. But I actually think that I would have enjoyed Philip Seymour Hoffman and it felt like it was a natural role more than I felt like... Da- I felt like Daniel Craig was chewing the scenery in every every scene. Well, I rebuke that. Uh, <laughs> I, I reject the idea that Daniel Craig takes you out of the movie. But if you were to ask me in a vacuum, is Philip Seymour Hoffman a better actor than Daniel Craig? Absolutely. Or, or no, is, no, no. It's more. Daniel is, Craig would say absolutely. Is is he a better Benoit Blanc? That's the biggest question. I don't know. I don't know because the, the the I. <laughs> It almost feels, Jeremy, like uh, Benoit Blanc is actually quite an important healing moment for Daniel Craig <laughs> after being sick of playing James Bond when he clearly doesn't want to anymore. And I'm, I would almost be worried for Daniel Craig's mental health if he wasn't able to play Benoit oh, Blanc. He'll still have Logan um, Lucky, though. Yeah, yeah. Well... Yeah, no, I get it, man. I get it. That's that's a th- welcome to the Philip Seymour Hoffman Memorial Podcast. Um, <laughs> I also truly, think that is- um, like a- another actor who's not dead, their their career just never really took off in the way that it would need to. But I think that if um, they were in like in in real good shape and a famous actor, that AJ could have played Wolverine. I'm not dead. Yeah, I know. That's what I said. What? So you're not dead. Your career just hasn't taken off quite in the way that it would need to. Uh, that's very. That's very. I'm very touched, Richard, that you would say I could play Wolverine. Um, I would love to I see th- AJ th- as Wolverine. I feel like you're understating the not in shape part um, because I think if there's a spectrum, I'm on the other end of it to Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Um, but thank you so much. Why is it? Because he's short in the comics. Oh yeah, yeah. Is he's short and he's like, you know. Has a, has a the he's the weight of the world on his shoulders. What's a what's a famous Wolverine line that I can do um, in a? Sorry, bub. <laughs> okay, so this this is actually a peek into the alternate universe where AJ did play Wolverine. Here it is. You know we don't get this for any of the other actors we've talked about. Here it is. You ready? Sorry, bub. Beautiful. This is a pretty good David Hayter impression. I don't know if it's... Does he ever say that in the... Does Hugh Jackman ever say sorry, yeah, He Bob? says Bob, yeah, a couple of times. Okay. The main... The main... Um, the, well, uh, what in Lo- Imagine me and Logan playing... <laughs> <laughs> like 26-year-old AJ playing like this old haggard, haggard Logan. That would make like, the relationship yeah. to the little girl so much creepier for some reason. Aww. <laughs> 
Oh, what the hell? <laughs> Don't drop that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Once again, a podcast with the three of us ends with bullying AJ. <laughs> next next Fortnite's podcast is going to be um, roles we could have played if we were more famous. And, and in shape. <laughs> but more famous, better looking and talented. <laughs> mm, yeah. All right. All right. I feel like Heath Lee just okay, stole everybody. my career. I feel like we need to bring this back to Philip Seymour Hoffman, guys. I just have one more Philip Seymour Hoffman suggestion. I want to make Cats 2019 even more ridiculous and replace James Corden with Philip Seymour Hoffman as Buster for Jones. That's beautiful. That would have that, been a good movie. That's the best idea. Yeah, that's all that movie needed. <laughs> oh, man. He would not have done it, would he? Well, I mean... No- Judy Dench did it. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great point. <laughs> Ian, Ian McKellen did it. Jesus. All right. Well, hey, let's let's put a pin in this because I think even though as we come to the end, all our ideas, all our best ideas seem to be spilling <laughs> out now. Um, but thank you very much for listening, everybody. And if you enjoyed this, please um, like Cult Popster on Facebook and subscribe to us on YouTube. And all, you know, follow us on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts. We're also on Instagram, Twitter. These are all the ways you can reach us. And when we do do these topics, which we sort of source some ideas from the fans from, um, you can be a part of that too. And please join our Discord as well. Uh, Jeremy, Richard, it's been it's been a wonderful evening. It always is. You know, it's just lovely, it guys. Is. It's love always you, a beautiful love you evening, even when I don't talk to you guys. <laughs> um, Especially. And stay tuned for our post-credit sequence after the music that you two can't hear, but I can because it plays on a constant loop in my head um, once that music finishes. Uh, but yeah, thank you. Let us know if you have any more ideas for who Philip Seymour Hoffman should have played. Um, uh, what's the most ridiculous example I can think to just end on a bang? Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman should have played... As Will Smith's character in Spies in Disguise. There it is. That's not a that's not a bad idea. All right. <laughs> <laughs>
I mean, there's obviously plenty of examples of like instant classics, um, things like Back to the Future, Ghostbusters. A lot of those like took the world by storm when they came out. Um, I mean, in terms of like recent examples, I'd say Mad Max Fury Road is like yeah. unequivocally became like as soon as it came out, it's like this is going in the history books kind of thing. Yeah. Um, whereas like um, for movies that uh, became a classic over time, there's a lot of, I mean, the, the term cult classic is thrown around and that's kind of what it's really describing. Movies that weren't huge upon release and found a second life later on. Uh, Shawshank Redemption is kind of the, the classic example of this, that it actually didn't do very well at the box office in 1994, but it was, uh, you know, word of mouth and VHS sales. But um. You know, it, it all comes down to like, uh, it's like economics. It's it's marketing budgets mm. and box office and everything like that. Like, um, I remember I saw Walk Hard in the cinema and I thought it was one of the greatest movies I'd ever seen. Yeah. Uh, and then no one else fucking saw it. And then now everyone's talking about it because Bohemian Rhapsody obviously brought it back up. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's dozens and dozens and dozens of examples of... Um, of movies like that 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 became a classic over time blade runner 2001 um yeah there's probably more examples of this than there are of instant classics yeah that's true um with sleeper hit is another yeah another term used for it um wh- why so that's why a movie would fail to get that status straight away is because it's marketing budget maybe isn't good enough or it's mm. things, things you just like have that. to have to believe that if your movie is good enough it will eventually find its audience yeah that's all and look if you just make good content people will see it that's all you need to do <laughs> that's all you need that's to do for four fucking years mate. is is make good content that's all you have to do nothing else factors in it's just that imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. <laughs> 